In this week's episode of Studio we'll be discussing the disaster against Torino. We'll be previewing the Coppa Italia game against Lazio, the Serie A game against Bologna, this week's Moji, Moratti, Frog and Interlegends, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Ecco Perisic, uno contro uno, gioco di gambe, guadagna il fondo, il cross, Icardi, e gol, 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 Maurito il Mamba! Sono i blocchi nell'area di rigore, arriva la palla, la prende Messino! La prende Messino! Che segna solo contro le Romane e segna il gol del 3-1! Per una vittoria eccezionale! Eccezionale! Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I am your host, Nimatavello Iruzzari. Uh, wishing you all welcome to a show that will be, um, which I think will be slightly different, uh, will, which will actually will be follow the... The same theme as last week in that I think there will be a lot of tears, anger, but a little bit of posit- positivity as well. And I'm hoping that that uh, the, the positivity will come from Mr. Positivity all the way from Dubai, our Semperinter.com's own preview writer who runs excellent previews, the hungry Nasaurus himself, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. Hey, guys. Yeah, not, uh, not a lot of... Uh... You know, uh, low-hanging fruit to pick off in terms of positivity, but we'll see. We'll try and find a, a silver lining here. Hey, if you can't find it, <laughs> it's not there. Okay, so you it's like <laughs> you have a lot of responsibility today, right? Um, no, and we're also joined by the host of the Alex Dono show, all the way from Miami, Florida, Mr. Alex Dono. How are you, my friend? What a great day! The sun is shining. It's a beautiful time to be alive. What a great moment to be an Inter supporter. Nima, Mo, I've never been happier than I am right now at this moment. How are you? Um, I, I sense a little bit of irony there, um, but that's okay because uh, I think the, 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 our final guest won't be too ironic. I think he was he was pretty angry last week, and and I think he's pretty pissed off this week as well. He writes, he does the interlegends on inter uh, on sempreinter.com. Welcome to the show, Mr. Critty Smith. Hey, hey, hey! And in the spirit of the Royal Rumble, which was last Saturday or Sunday. I'm going to do a tribute to the 92 Royal Rumble when Ric Flair won and say, I'm not the kind of guy to tell you I told you so, but I told you so. <laughs> you sure did. Let's get into it, guys. I mean, the I don't even know where to begin about that. what we saw against Torino. I, I had I had a feeling like last week because it's Mazzari and all that stuff, but I... And 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 I, and I can't remember if I said it last week, but I, I, I was dreading the three-man defense, and um, I mean... Mo, talk to me. What the hell happened? Look, even though the most optimistic of us last week wasn't very optimistic. So we all knew there was going to be a pretty crappy game of football, which it definitely was. And that it was going to be determined by individual uh, plays. And it clearly <laughs> was. You know, so. <laughs> That's very diplomatic so, of you. Yeah, Handanovic screwed up. Screwed up. Let's let's just it, put it out there. Handanovic made the biggest mistake I think let's, since Fiorentina. No, 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 he, <laughs> no, no. Hey, maybe since no, no, not even no, no. You, you know where I stand about Handanovic. So. Yeah, but that, I've never seen him do that. I mean, that was the the ball was barely moving. I mean, it was it was yes. like it was in slow motion. I mean, I've seen him when the shots. I agree. You know, we know we have a different opinion on that, but this was ridiculous. The ball was it, barely it was moving. It was horrible. It was pitiful to watch. I mean, Jesus, what was he doing? I mean, how you don't how can you, how no goalkeeper of that caliber should do that? I mean, come on, you don't no watch the ball. Goalkeeper of any caliber. 
<laughs> true. No, seriously, let's be honest. I've, I've been on Handanovic's side, but this is, what the hell was that? I mean, the yeah. ball, the ball was, it wasn't a bullet header. <laughs> he, was, he had all the time in the world. What was he doing? Yeah. Oh. yeah. And, and, you know, in Inter's defense, you know, or Spalletti's defense or whatever's defense, up until uh, the goal got scored or up until like the, I don't know, the first half of the first half, they were doing pretty well, you know. Uh, it seemed like things would be going would be going well. But, you know, I, again, I think, I think the anti-football that Mazzari plays isn't helpful for any team that's trying to regain form. You, you, you don't go... You, you never find you're, you're never a phoenix rising out of the ashes against a Mazzari team. It's it's anti football. It's boring football. It's annoying. He makes the best teams look like look like crap when they play against him. He makes his sides look like crap as well in the process. So <laughs> it was a, it was the snooze it was it was the snooze fest that was always going to be. Are there are there things that you know Spalletti did wrong? Of course. Are are there things that could be symptomatic of possibly a meltdown? Sure. Are, do things, but has the has the rhetoric out of the intercamp post match been a lot different to the last few years? Also true. So I think I have that, you know, to make me try and sleep better at night. Is is all I've been hearing out of the intercamp post Torino so far? So uh, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the, the game before we can talk about the, the overall state of Inter. But but the game in and of itself. Was was I mean the the result was not what I expected definitely not what I would have wished for, but the game itself seemed pretty much like what we would have imagined it a tight ugly game with very unattractive football determined by individual scenarios and individual circumstances. Mm, I understand. I think speaking of um, um, uh, speaking of mistakes that Ms. Paletti did. Um, Alex, do you think the three-man defense was a was a mistake, or did well, he have no choice? I, I think he had no choice. Uh, I, I think given the the lack of wingers and not wanting to start Perisic because of the transfer rumors, I, I think Spalletti's hand was forced there. But I'm I'm glad you asked that question, Nima, because there are a couple of different ways to break down what went wrong for Inter uh, in Torino. Uh, I think that. Certainly, you can look at things formationally and tactically. You know, three-man defense. Uh, you know, in that in that uh, up front, whether or not an Icardi Lautaro partnership really worked, or was it is uh, it, what, whether it was a disaster or not. But to me, I, I start with one place, and maybe this is an overhaul theme that we're going to discuss throughout the show. But I think bigger than any tactical or formational problems was. I am looking at the same Inter that I look at this time of year, year after year after year after year, that you can only make so many tactical excuses for a team that showed me no mentality, a, a team that showed me weakness. I mean, Mo mentioned that once uh, once Torino scored their goal, it was a, a different Inter and a different Torino after that, where it looked like the... Nerazzurri went into a shell after that and weren't the same team. Uh, I wonder how much the Perisic rumors and all the Icardi contract stuff in recent weeks has affected this team's mentality. But how can I come away from that performance and not think there are problems with the way this team is approaching things between their ears and the way things are going off the pitch? I see that, honestly, as a bigger factor in this loss 
than any of what I saw formation-wise. And, you know, you can blame, certainly I'm sure some of that blame may go to Spalletti for having his guys prepared mentally, but I look at that game as more of a mental problem than I look at it as, you know, problems with three at the back or, or two strikers. I think that that was Pazze Inter. Mm, agreed. Critty, I'm really keen to hear what you said because you were kind of talking about that, that we, you know, last week that you were expecting kind of this, what happened. So now it's happened. What, what are your thoughts? I had this weird sadistic smile on my face when the game was over. <laughs> um, because this is this is exactly what I expected. And I, I don't I, I do like it when I'm right, but I don't like it when I'm right in these circumstances. And it's like things like these instances uh, usually lead to massive changes within football sides. Uh, traditionally over the years, you know, when you we really um, now there's this panic mode because they've really had the same pathetic start to the second half of the season as they did to the first half of the season back in August with these same two teams, Sassuolo and Torino. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's so strange, you know, Spalletti, he, it was, it was said, you know, he should probably play a free four, three, one, two, if he's going to play Gazetta actually wrote about that earlier in the week about him, you know, approaching, if you're going to play two, two number nines in the front, you know, if you're going to play Lataro and Icardi up front, then play with a four man back line gives you Dalbert and uh, D'Ambrosio a chance to be play at their normal, their, their natural fullback positions, as opposed to, uh, going into three-five-two, which which puts the places them further the pitch, maybe they feel out of out of their comfort zone. Uh, I, I don't fault him at all for trying tactically something different. And and you know people, it's like he had one shot for this um, Lataro Icardi thing to work, and if it didn't just work beautifully the very first time, people are going to criticize him. Why did you do this? Like, I don't. He should do it again. He he he. There's only you have to. There's only one way to go from here, and that's up. I don't. I, I, I don't dislike a partnership that I've only had one chance to see. I want to see more of it. I'd like to see it fail three or four times before I say, okay, this definitely needs to never happen again. I, I don't think that you can judge a, 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 a tactical system or philosophy after one poor performance. That said, what Mo was talking about was exactly right. They're walking into this Torino trap, this 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 anti-football, the, the way that the game is so ugly when you play Torino. Yes, uh, they look like crap in the process. But, uh, you know, when you make the error that Handanovic makes and then Torino plays the way that they do, it is the perfect recipe for disaster, especially being on the road in their stadium. And this is um, th- th- there is definitely a, a I, I, this is panic mode now at this point. There is no no doubt about it. This is. Um, a must-win match with uh, in the in the league uh, coming up with uh, Bologna. This is uh, uh, you know something that 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 some things have to change. But as I said last week, and I'll stand by what I said, the Mercado from the summer has been at this point now. As we stand here and look at this starting eleven, besides Politano here and there, yes, Devry's been okay. Where are these heroes? Where are these guys that reason we became this quote-unquote anti-Juve? Oh, Versalco. Oh, Nyangolan, All these guys. They're not even a factor. They're not even a factor in this team one way or another. It's the same inter-side that finished fourth last season with the same mentality. And I swear to you guys, FIFA has actually programmed EA Sports to make Inter worse in their game December and January because I'm going through that stretch right now and for some reason I'm playing worse. Mm, that's that's a, that's a pretty that's an interesting um that's an interesting uh, uh thing um no the thing is the way i look at it uh, and the way i've been like i've been trying to to not 
you know, maybe look at this the some way, uh, something positive or whatever. And I, honest to God, I don't think there was anything uh, positive with that. I mean, I'm not saying that you, you know, you you don't you don't get to show as, as Mo said, you don't turn up against the Matsari team who plays anti football. That that's his shtick. I mean, he plays anti football. He 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 his he bores you to death, and then you make a stupid mistake and you lose the game. That that's that's what he does, and and you know, each to their own. We, we had him. We had him at Inter, so we should know. Um, but when it comes to the three-man defense, I, I, I think that you know, as I also agree with you, Alex. You said that he was forced to it. I think he was forced to it too. I, that's why I don't completely do not understand this Spalletti out nonsense. Because again, if people were expecting to win the Scudetto, then they need to have a reality check because that was never going to happen. Uh, Inter are not that good. Inter were supposed to build on last season, and they have built on last season. We're third, uh, and we're, that's where we need to finish. We need to, you know, improve on last season. But if we look at this game uh, in isolation and together with everything that's happened, it's, you know, the other years it's been December and January. December was okay this year. Now it's just January. This team is still not mentally ready. Um, they, they're not there yet um, to... Um, to be able to uh, to, to leave uh, that 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 the old the old sins of the past that they used to fall into behind, they, they're still not there yet. Um, and I think that is something that is is the, whether or not you need to do what uh, some other teams do, like for example when Milan did when Mirabelli and Fasone took over, they just cleared house and kicked everyone out and brought everyone new in whether it's something like that the inter needs to do or if it's or if it's a coaching thing or what it is i don't know because it's 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 getting better but it's getting better at a very slow rate than we would have hoped for um yeah you remember in the first match back in august he played with a three-man back line as well and inter dominated the first half of play so May, I mean, you know, it, it's funny, you, he gets, he's going to get criticized for this, but he was praised for the first 45 minutes, you know, six months ago. So, you know, it, it really, Spalletti, sometimes he can't win. I mean, I don't, again, it's not a, it's not a faulting of, of, of trying something different. It's just that, you know, it, like, it just didn't work out this time. And, uh, again, I, I don't think he should, he, I don't know if he should play with a three-man backline again, but he should definitely not stop trying to, put new pieces together and figure out things to, to, to work out the kinks in this team because there's definitely a lot to work out right now. Mm, true. Mo, um, what are your thoughts uh, on uh, the, the whole, um, I mean... It, the, the state, it, the general state of Inter? Yeah, no, I mean, this, this like, uh, what I was saying about the whole, yeah. the, the, Jan, the January thing. I mean, what do you think? I mean, we've been very optimistic, and I was with you, because I thought December was all right, result-wise. But here we are, and it's, it's again, the beginning of the season all over again, and it's January. It's a trend, isn't it? Hey, of course, it's a trend, though. We've been through this uh, many, many times, so clearly it's a trend. But, uh, you know, we know that Spalletti learned from his mistakes last season, and he was able to uh, pull the team back, and... I can only, uh, you know, have faith in the fact that he knows how to do things better with that intern, which is why December wasn't as bad. And hopefully he can pull things back in, in January sooner than, let's say, mid-Feb. So, so I, I don't have, you know, w- w- I'm willing to give it another couple of weeks before I start ringing the alarm bells. But what's, what's also important for me is the management structure and, and the, 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 the words coming out of the, a piano or out of uh, out of HQ 
Uh, and, you know, we've all seen the reports that Zhang is furious and he's given Spalletti not like an ultimatum, but a clear target to get a cup this year, a trophy this year, or, or uh, the season is not acceptable. Uh, finishing a comfortable third is our minimum requirement now. So for the first time in a long time, there are clear objectives that are an improvement on the year before coming out of the, the, the intermanagement. And, you know, love the fact that we have a Juventino in, in, in the management team in Marotta or hate it. The fact is Marotta is a seasoned veteran and he knows exactly how to gestire these mm. tough situations. You know, this, mm. is, this is what he does. He, he knows how to maneuver, manage, eke through, pull, t- push, tug. So I, I, I have faith in the process. I'm, it's ugly, and, and I agree. Maybe a clean-out is needed. Maybe like weak-minded players like uh, Perisic, who you know, who's asking for a transfer. Today, we read that Vecino is asking for a transfer as well. Miranda was, was upset at the lack of playing time. Like all these guys, if you're not fully on board with the project, please... Thank you very much for your services. You've done very well up to this point. But this isn't the, this isn't the sort of player that we want anymore. If, if the players aren't willing to give, you know, they're all on the pitch every match, then that's not the kind of player that we want. And I saw a lot of positivity from other players who actually stood up and, you know, raised their hands and, 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 and apologized to the fans like Brozovic on, on Instagram and, of course, Icardi and, and Nangolan who clearly said that it was our mistake, we apologize, and we have to rectify the situation quickly. So this is also yeah, we, we, what we'd seen the years before were certain players you know, disappearing off social media or, or, or not acknowledging uh, what's going on. But it seems like things might be different this year. I don't know. And I also like to believe in a bit of parallelisms in, the, uh, in football. And it was the Bologna match when Nangolan scored that goal that really broke our string of non, no, no wins in the beginning of the season. So maybe it's the Bologna match on, on Sunday or Monday, is it, that is going to be the turning point for the second half of the season. We'll see. But, you know, uh, again, uh, we, we, I, know, I know last week I said we'll wait until the Torino match to, to, to make judgment on the state of Inter. I, I'm, I'm still willing to push that date another week forward. So, so we'll see on the next podcast. Okay, let's get to that because you were kind of working around the edges there. This Perisic situation that has uh, uh, that has come up, and this is—I um, I personally think that this is kind of connected to what happened with Wanda and Mauro. Because when you have your team captain create all this nonsense, then this kind of spreads. Um, now, I think that's—I'm not saying that's the only reason because obviously Perisic is not a child; he's he's an adult, but. If we just look at this 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 situation in and of itself, was there anything Inter could have done to avoid this? Or is this more a situation of there's been a lot of change? Obviously, Tohir has left, a new ownership has come in, and new, new minority shareholders has come in. Marotta has come in. It's it's a different uh, dynamic altogether. So is, 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 is it just everyone trying to file, find their place and therefore not a big deal? Or is it, or could this have been avoided uh, by by Inter? What do you think? I, so I, I think the Perisic situation is, is interesting. I think Perisic is at 29 years old. He has realized that Inter are probably not going to win the Scudetto or get um, win a major trophy before his contract expires. So he's probably not going to be due for a, an increase in wages ever anymore. And his only chance of really getting a bump in his wages is if he changes 
side or league. And this last and his last chance is a move to the Premiership at 29. If he's at 30, he's probably not going. To, he probably won't be able to garner as much as much wage as he would now. I mean, you know, 30 from 29 is a big psychological step in a player's lifespan. So I, I think this is basically a, a, a money play by Perisic. He's like, oh crap, I'm going to be turning 30. This this team, this inter team, is not going to be able to fulfill my financial ambitions in the two or three years left in my contract. I have to do something right away. I, mm. I, that's but that's how I'm reading it. You know. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. How do you read it, Alex? Well, and Nima, I, I can add this. I think that Perisic moving on, whether it's Arsenal or any other side. It could really be a win-win uh, because from an inter perspective, uh, you can no longer deny his inconsistency. You know, I, I certainly had hope after a very good World Cup he had, you know, with him being, you know, one of the reasons why Inter did make Champions League and, and break that long drought. He contributed to that. I thought there was some momentum leading towards Perisic maybe becoming uh, more of a prominent fixture on this club. But Clearly, it's not materialized. He's taken a step back this season. So from an Inter perspective, I think his cycle with this club is done. It's time to move on. It's time to replace him, to inject some energy. And then from a Perisic standpoint, I could very well see him as being the type of player because I think psychologically he's very unique. Uh, if he moves on to a different league and a different club, I could see him being energized somewhere else and really becoming... Uh, becoming an important part of another club because we know physically what he's capable of. When Perisic is on, he's he's one of the better wingers in the world. The problem is he's not on with this club enough. So I could certainly see Perisic moving on as being a win-win. I could see him energized by a change of scenery, and I can certainly see how Inter want to be energized by someone who's got more love for the shirt, someone who you know just psychologically has more to give to those colors. So I'm all for it, right? I mean there. There are certain transfer rumors when you when you see people speculate, oh, is Chelsea going to buy Icardi? Who's going to pay that release clause? Certain rumors you see and you get a little bit upset as an Inter supporter. I don't want to lose this guy. I don't want to lose that guy. Uh, when I see rumors of, of Perisic moving on, I have no problem with it whatsoever. But of course, you have to receive value back for that player, right? If you're if you're receiving a very low loan with option to buy, then yeah, that's really not something that Inter is interested in accepting, and I completely understand that. But if if you get a reasonable offer from this guy, I, I think this is a situation where you absolutely want to move on. He he can be a good football player, I think, somewhere else, but I think his cycle is done at Inter. And to be honest with you, I, I wish that he hadn't waited so long in the January transfer window to hand in a transfer request. I mean, we didn't catch wind of this until – you know, the final four or five days of the window, maybe they could have worked something out sooner. But I'll be honest with you, I, I hope that he is no longer with this club when the window closes because I don't want this group to have to deal with the distraction of having of having a guy on the squad who doesn't want to be here. So I hope I hope they can get this worked out. I could, you just you just took all the words out of my mouth when it comes to how I how I hope they handle the situation and what happens. Um, but uh, I'm I'm kind of keen to see like Critty, do you see a do you do you see like a some sort of um, um, tangent between what what started uh, between you know the Wanda situation and the contract? Now you have Miranda leaving, wanting to leave, obviously in a, for a different reason. Uh, Gagliardini reportedly wants to leave. Vecino wants to leave. Um, 
and and then you have Perisic not training apart from the team. Do you see? Do you? I mean, what 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 con- conclusions do you draw from that? Um, I mean, these are these are that's really tough to say. It's a great question. Um, it's it's I don't know if they're influenced by Wanda and her 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 actions. It certainly has uh, some unique timing around it. But I think these are people that are left over from. You know, Inter's trying to my my opinion on this is Inter's trying to move into a, a more positive mindset in a different direction. The, 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 a lot of these names you just mentioned are from those really the the, the you know Frank De, Frank De Boer teams and 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 the the, the uh, Pioli and and um, uh, Mancini and 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 so the, the you know this is the, the, these are the, those weren't those were just bad Inter teams you know as far as like being inconsistent and not giving a damn and 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 uh, you know playing great one week and, and poor the next and, and it just inability to, to, to have fluidity and attack. And I, Spalletti really does, I, I believe, have a shot here to, to kind of um, uh, refresh the deck a little bit. And, and, and I think getting rid of some of these names is not necessarily a bad thing. I don't, I, I the, the, the thing that with Wanda, it could obviously have sparked other people to say, well, if it's good for him, I, I you know, if, if they can complain, then I can complain too. And, uh, you know, he, he, you know, and Cardi never said he outright wanted to leave, but, you know, some of these players are, but that could have obviously created a domino effect in the sense that uh, there was maybe some underlying dis- disenfranchised players as far as like their behavior and demeanor and, and attitude goes. And that now has been able to be opened up by the Wanda statements and these players feel more comfortable now just just displaying their uh, displeasure with the club. But as it pertains to Perisic, I followed him since he was at Borussia Dortmund way back in the day and then went to Fallout Wolfsburg and, 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 you know, followed him in the Bundesliga. He's never really been a consistent player. If you look at, mm. the, at, at his full body of work, he was he was very young at Dortmund and so they sold him to Wolfsburg and he had some some games where he looked like he was on fire and other games where he would disappear and it, it, it's it, he's the same player to enter that he was five years ago at Wolfsburg he, he he really is he's just a more older more experienced version of that player but uh, I, I as soon as I saw these these transfer rumors I honestly when Manchester United thought of, talked about buying him last summer summer before last I was all for it I, I, I've been for him leaving for quite some time now I think he looks disinterested. I think he looks like he doesn't care to be there. I think he looks like he doesn't want to play for Inter. He has a a um, a, a uh, almost bored look on his face. Like like this is this is just money to me, and I don't really give a crap whether we win, lose, or draw. It's just you know I just want my paycheck. He's always come across to me as a player like that, going way back in the Bundesliga. Not not even talking about just his Inter time. It's always been about the paycheck for Ivan Perisic. So um, obviously, as Alex said, you want something in return, but. Uh, maybe that has to wait till the summer. Maybe we, we, you know, we obviously Keita Balde came in this this past, you know, Mercato, and you, you maybe you see what you have with him. But um, yeah, Perisic has a toxic demeanor about him, and I would um, have zero issue with him with him moving on at this point. Um, in the simplyinter.com community on Facebook, we have a Facebook group uh, which is, is really great. You should join it, check it out if you if you haven't joined already. But um, we we have we this situation. It was a member called. Uh, named Ahmed Khaled, who actually wrote a really interesting post about this today and I and, and I uh, about this whole situation. And I wanted to hear what you guys think about it. 
He says, um, he thinks that, he says, is there an explanation to the rut that we're currently facing? Uh, one theory I read is that the problem might be with Murat Marotta's arrival that some players and maybe even the coach might have learned that they are out of the club's plans for the next season. And that might damage motivation and squad morale. And if that is the case, it's a bad move on the management's part to inform of such decisions before the season is over. Um, I believe what is happening is towards the long-term cleansing of the team uh, to get rid of the deadwood to be able to the next to take the next step. I doubt the club's future is at risk at this. Um, I, I I found that a really interesting thing. Maybe that is it. Maybe Marotta has maybe started giving, you know, since taking over, he has a completely different agenda. He wants to do it his way, exactly like you, you both of you, I think all three of you have alluded to, from De Boer. And, and I think, you know, I don't think that he's come in and, Maybe I think he's too intelligent to just rock the boat like that. But this is a really interesting point. I think there is something to this. What do you think, Alex? Well, I think it's inevitable, especially when you have someone coming from Juventus. Uh, they're not known for their sentimentality, right? You, you, yeah. you they, they, they are known for being the type of club that even if you are a legend like a Gigi Buffon, when they decide it's time to move on, uh, they are very cold with the way they say goodbye to you. Uh, you know, you you can ask Gonzalo Higuain how that went when he was loaned out to Milan. That he 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 was upset about how cold and informal that was. So I think that there there has to be a sense of inevitability, right? If you if you play for Inter, if you're if you're Spalletti, if you're one of the coaches on his staff, I think you have to have a certain expectation that when there's a new sheriff in town, and that's Pepe Marotta that, yeah, he is going to want to make his stamp on the club. He's going to want to, you know, make transfers. And in order to in order to add players, you're going to have to subtract some players. So I, I find it hard to imagine that his blueprint has become so public that every player is aware, okay, I'm part of the plan, I'm not, so I can start moving on. I don't think he had to make that public, but I think that if you're someone who's not enjoying a great amount of playing time, and if you're someone who's under some scrutiny at this moment, you may see the writing on the wall, right? If you're a guy, you know, like, uh, like a Miranda, who's not playing very much, you become a rotational center back. If you're a guy like Perisic, who's fallen out of favor. And when Keita Balde was healthy, it looked like Keita did take Perisic's starting spot on the left wing before his injury popped back up. I, I think you might get the sense that, you know what? I don't have the cushy, starting mm. job here that I did before Marotta came in. So I think that inevitability does come into play. Mm. Real. It's it's an interesting subject, uh, no doubt. And we will definitely have reason to get back to it. But uh, before uh, we, we, we get back to it, because we can't dwell on this forever, there are actually a couple of games needing played. Um, and number one is uh, Lazio. Uh, well, we're recording this on, um, uh, on a Tuesday um, and uh, the match is on a Thursday. So just quickly... It's at home uh, at Lazio. One of the goals of this season, in my opinion, has been to go to a semi-final final in the in the Coppa Italia. I think of all the times to play Lazio in a quarter-final of the Coppa Italia, this is really not the, the ideal time. But you can't choose it. You just have to face it. Um, or do you think that's... I mean, am I making too big of... Am I making too big a deal of this, small, Or is it just the Coppa Italia? Who cares? No, I think uh, we need to start caring about uh, Coppa Italia's, about Europa Leagues, about every single trophy we're uh, we're in contention for. I think gone are gone should be the days where Inter doesn't compete for every trophy they're in the running for. So, no, I think I think it's a very important match. I think, like I said earlier, if the reports that uh, have come out of Inter HQ are correct, 
the management has made it very clear to Spalletti that uh, a cup this year, uh, whether it's the Europa League or the Coppa Italia, are important. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, no, I think I think the match is a big deal. It's the quarterfinal. It puts you two matches away from winning the first cup that we've won since, I mean, God knows when now. It uh, must have been September of 2011, right? Yeah, so, May, uh, May, May 2011. May 2011. May, May 2011. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So let's see. Let's see. Uh, I think it's an important match. I think, just like you said, this isn't. This is definitely not the best of time to be facing uh, facing Lazio. I mean. Sure, they they lost to Juventus, but it was in uh, Turin, and it was you know they played quite well, and Juve barely uh, took the three points there in that match. So they're 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 not in in any dampened sort of spirits, and we we definitely are. And I believe this is the the second the last match behind closed doors for for Inter and the San Siro. Well, it's not so it's not, not a closed door. It's it's the Curva Nord that's closed. It's just the Curva that's shut. Yeah, uh, okay. I, th- I, th- okay. I think so because I think it was it was the Benevento. It was, I mean, it was Sassuolo. It was Benevento. It was yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think it was, I think it's just the Curva Nord that was. It, it was. I'm not it sure. was two two matches full fully closed and then six with the Curva shot, right? That's something, I like, think that. something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so so let's see. Look, it's it's not it's it's never you you, you never want an important match in the cup to be the match where you pin your uh, resurgence hopes on. But we'll see. Like you said, this is the hand we're dealt, and we need to play with it. So. Fair enough. Well, um, uh, Alex, just quickly, because I don't want to dwell on on this too much. Um, personally, I think th- that a win against Lazio and Bologna is is what is needed before, because if 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 Inter lose, you know, close, play good but lose, just miss out narrowly against Lazio, and then f- just don't fail to win against Bologna, it's full on crazy Inter. Um, uh, and whether we like it or not, that's what's going to happen. And I think that would, I don't think that the ship, uh, that's something I don't want to go through right now. Um, so, I mean, what, what do you think? Am I exaggerating or do you agree? No, you're not exaggerating. Uh, if, if Inter doesn't perform well in, in both of these upcoming games, it's full on crisis. Uh, I agree with what Mo was saying that Coppa Italia is important for Inter. It, it is a priority, especially if Spalletti is being told he needs a trophy and or a top three finish to keep his job. I think Inter will and should approach this aggressively. Uh, from a Lazio side of things, you know, the, the last time Inter faced Lazio, that was during a very tough stretch for Milinkovic-Savic, who was completely invisible at that point. He is now actually showing signs of life, which is not good. But if I will take an optimistic approach, um, from a Lazio perspective, coming off a very emotional lost to Juve where they had a 1-0 lead and, and couldn't hold on to it. Maybe this could be the right time to face Lazio because that is a draining experience, a short turnaround, a short week for them, very tough stretch for them. So if I'm looking for a positive light to shine on it, if I were a Lazio supporter, I would say, okay, I have to go from you know a, a very, very tough loss to Juve to a trip to the San Siro. That looks like a tough stretch. Hopefully Inter can take advantage of that. Mm, agreed. Right. Uh, then we have Bologna. And I mean, against Bologna, that, it's just three points that counts. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. It doesn't matter how it goes against Lazio. Three points against the Bologna that sacked Filippo Inzaghi midweek and brought in Sinisa Mihailovic, which is just so typical for Inter, isn't it? That they, they have to face this guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, you just can't win, can you? So, uh, but still, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I think Volonia are better than they are. They should not be relegated, but I definitely do not see them being good enough to, 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 to stop this Inter. Um, and, and, and I expect three pretty simple points. Um, Quiddy, Quiddy, where are you on this? Uh, do you want the optimist or do you want the realist? The realist. <laughs> okay. So, as it pertains to the Bologna game, I think that every single Inter supporter, every single person in the media is saying the same thing that you just said, that I'm thinking, that Mo's thinking, and that Alex is thinking. Three points, do or die, no matter what. Absolutely must have three points. And I think those are the exact matches that go right to Inter's players' heads, and they over overthink, they over overtry, they... they overcompensate and instead of playing their game and instead of trying to relax and let things build up naturally and, 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 you know, score the goals when they're there and create chances when they're there, they, they force things and they uh, try too hard. And then, you know, and, and suddenly it's, it's nil nil in the 80th minute and Bologna slips one past you and gets lucky. And now you're trying just to get the, the one point. The, this is the exact type of match. And, I, and I'm trying to draw something um, to, 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 to draw from these last two matches, uh, to say no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm wrong in this thinking. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to go there with this because Inter has shown me at times that they're capable of doing uh, just the opposite of what I've said. But I honestly, you know, football now is a what have you done for me lately sport, and <laughs> it, it, you know, it's, it's, it, you're, you're only as good as your last performance in, in so many cases. And Inter has no momentum right now. They have uh, the, the the morale seems to be uh, uh, kind of in the doldrums, and I just you know it's going to take a performance that kind of shocks all of us. Where Inter comes out and, and it's it's like you know the uh, Sampdoria match from last season where they I think they won like five 0 or something like that and and just blew the doors off of them and we, which none of us expected. And you know I'm waiting for that Inter performance. This is what I'm waiting for is to say, oh my God, this is the team that you know we all expected this year. Here they are. Here they are. And, you know, so far, especially as the season has come back into play as of January, it, it just hasn't happened. I, I cannot with good confidence say that, like, I, you know, I think we'll win. I'm going to predict a win, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be very pretty. I think we're going to really sneak by on this one. Well, um, against Torino, we saw Mazzari play with Lautaro Martinez and Mauro Icardo up front. I wish he hadn't because it was a complete, it was, it was unwatchable. Do you think that we will be, we'll, we'll be able to see at least in any of these two games, those two up front together, Mo? Uh, it was uh, Spalletti who played with them, not Mazzari. That's just, sorry, uh... sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mr. Freud. <laughs> sorry, whenever, exactly. I see that, whenever I see that three-man defense. <laughs> if <laughs> sorry, it had been sorry, any sorry. other name slip, I would have let it slide, but just about yeah, Saturday, we can have that. Sorry. You see, based on that performance and Handanovic doing that and the three-man defense, <laughs> I'm sorry, it was, it was totally Mr. Freud. Right. <laughs> too many memories. Too many memories. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> no, but do you think we'll ever see i mean do you think we'll see those two play together up front um or or yeah i i think so i i think so i don't i'm not so sure whether you'll be able to see them start like we said last week i i don't i don't know and i don't know if it's a good idea to see them start a match yet i don't know but uh, we, we'll definitely see uh lautaro being deployed hopefully earlier than uh the 80th minute on a more regular basis i think if things aren't going our way, uh, especially against teams like uh, a team like Bologna, uh, and it's like the 60, 65th minute in the second half, I think you're probably 
quite uh, likely to see uh, Lautaro step on the pitch. Against Lazio, I would imagine he's going to play his, his, his strongest, most reliable formation. And I don't know if Keita is going to be... I don't think he's ready because he was still about 10 days out yeah. on Saturday. So I think he's not going to be fit for, uh, for, uh, for Lazio. He probably might be uh, available for selection. Da Valutare on, 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 uh, for Def- the Bologna game. Stefan de Frey is out for the Lazio game, so he'll definitely play yeah. uh, for the Bologna game, at least. Um, yeah. yeah. No, just, just, just quickly give me uh, two, two, two results there with Lazio and, and Bologna. I, uh, Lazio, it, it has to be a win, right? Like, it's, uh, uh, I, I think it could be, a, it'd probably be a win, maybe, uh, yeah, I, it'll be a win. It'll be a win. Uh, it'll be a, t- a tight, silly win. I think. I hope we finally see Mauro break his duck. And if Mauro scores on Sunday, on uh, on Thursday, then he's definitely scoring against Bologna, at least a couple of goals. And maybe Nagolan can do a, a carbon copy of his goal against Bologna in the first uh, in the first part half of the season. So I reckon maybe a, a tight one 0 against Lazio and uh, and three one against Bologna. Mm. I'm with you on the 1-0 against Lazio, but I think that it's going to be 2-2 against Bologna and Papa Palacio is going to score twice. <laughs> it's just, with with, with, with Sinisa Mihailovic on the bench. It's just, it's just, it's just when it's January. I'm sorry, I don't want to be negative, but I'm just seeing this 2-2 thing in front of me. Uh, Alex, just quickly, results for those two. I told you I would be positive today. Uh, I am going <laughs> 1-0 against Lazio, advancing to the semifinal of Coppa Italia. And I'm going for two nil against Bologna. Um, and I think I think the the Lazio performance, as we see Inter playing up and down to their competition, I think the Lazio performance will actually be better than the Bologna performance. I think Bologna will be ugly, but I do see two wins in two matches. Yeah. What about you, Critty? Um, you you you've heard? Are you are you on my side or are you on the positivity train with these two guys? <laughs> um. I'm going to go 1-0, Lazio defeats Inter and knocks them out of the Coppa Italia. And I'm going to go 1-0, Inter beats uh, Bologna uh, in the early week to get back the three points they desperately need in the league to uh, keep pace in third place. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Let's hope uh, uh, that goes. Um, Right, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, uh, rip the piss out of, and make fun of something or someone in the world of football, starting with this week's Moratti, which we presented by Mr. Mohamed Nasser. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. Okay, so in a very difficult week uh, to find uh, anything uh, resembling uh, genuine uh, positivity uh, coming out of Inter, one had to dig really hard and you know suspend disbelief and whatever. So honestly, the the the, the one the one bit of Marathi or the one bit of uh, the bit of silver lining was something I've spoken about on a couple of times uh, on a couple of occasions so far uh, in the podcast, and that is the uh, uh, the way. Management or or the the noise coming out of uh, out of Inter uh, is is different to everything that we've heard in the last few seasons. Uh, there there seems to be a, a more of a let's say an aggressive uh, stick him, stick it to him uh, kind of attitude. Uh, Zhang coming out and saying that we demand a, a, a trophy. Uh, 
an improvement over last year. Uh, so, so there's a certain sense of assuredness, and I think this comes with uh, swinging, you know, finally uh, finding their feet in, uh, in in the league, and of course uh, having the second full season with Spalletti at the helm. So I think overall, despite this being the same sort of uh, you know Groundhog Day sort of January thing that we are seeing. I'm I'm quite confident in the fact that we're going to be or the the, the team the side the match the 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 the, the squad the whole uh, structure is going to be able to dig themselves out of this hole much faster and much more efficiently than any of the last few seasons and yeah so that's that's kind of an aspirational uh, variety for the week. I um I agree with you. I I really like how my, I, to be honest I really like how Marotta is taking this inter job on this this like no nonsense shit so i i i I, i'm with you on that it's it's aspirational it's really really nice right um let's move on to something slightly more comical this week's frog which will be presented by mr alex dono we travel to my new favorite league outside of Serie A, the portuguese women's league Something unbelievable happened at the weekend, guys. (laughs) The brave ladies from CP Pego actually found a way to lose a match 32-0 at the hands of Benfica. I watched the replay of all 32 goals scored in this one match. It was glorious. The goalkeeping was very suspect, as you imagine. But honestly, what happened to CP Pego is not that... uh, it's not that uncharacteristic, although that was the the record for that league of the most lopsided loss and the most goals scored in one game. Guys, I looked up the, the league table. This might have been outdated by a couple of weeks, but through 14 matches, somehow Benfica, the women's Benfica squad, a goal differential of plus 257. So they are kicking ass and taking names right now. That is my new favorite league. I will keep following that one. Well, you definitely got to keep us updated. 32-0 is, that's quite a hiding. That's quite a hiding. Uh, <laughs> right, let's move on to uh, something much more negative. This week's Moji, which will be presented by myself. Uh, this week's mochi is for me is uh, this 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 uh, everything that you guys have said about the Perisic situation in terms of what have you done for me lately? Football is easy, you know what you said about Perisic is not the only player to to be like this, but I feel that the game is is no longer has. I mean, it's been like this for a long while, and I'm just every now and then you re, it really comes and it's thrown in your face. And and this modern football where every there's everything is just it's it's just sold and buy buy and sell, and then you're there, and then you're there. You play for Juve, then you play for Milan, then you play for Inter. This is this, there's no this is it's pretty gross. Um and. And this, 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 all of this taking place in the in 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 social media and and in 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 the public ring, like this is just so distasteful and nasty. And I'm kind of grossed out with the whole thing. Uh, everything from, uh, from from how from Wanda saying that you know revealing that Inter wanted to swap or Inter wanted to accept Juventus offer of Higuain plus money and, and, and all all of the whole thing is just, ugh. 
it just grosses me out. Um, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not one of those who says everything was better before. I think the Bosman ruling kind of did, you know, it's it's basically in terms of labor, you know, labor law. I mean, you know, if it's good for the people, for the players, because they used to get screwed over before. But th- this is, the, we need a bit of balance. It's gone too far. The pendulum has swung too far to that side now. And, and it's just, none of it matters. It's just basically... Everyone, there are the players that come to your team could equally just play for your worst rivals the next week, and they would kiss the badge, and it doesn't mean anything. And all of this, especially during the transfer window, is really, really comes up, and it's pretty gross. And and I just, ugh. to me, that's modern football. Uh, this aspect of modern football, at least, is this week's moji. Right, um, uh, let's uh, walk down memory lane uh, together with our good friend Critty Smith and highlight a manager, a coach, a player that is worthy of being called uh, an interlegend. So it's interlegend with Mr. Critty Smith. Non è un personaggio eh, che, che, che può essere sostituito perché era un personaggio assolutamente unico. Il fatto che abbia sempre eh, pensato e avuto nel cuore due colori, il nero e l'azzurro. Guys, this one's been a long time coming when um, this is the first time that I've written the article and it's gone right to the podcast. Um, when the Interlegends series was first conceived, this is the first player I thought of. And he, he's he's to me, he is he is Inter. He is he is the the Interlegend. So we start with him at the top and then everyone below him falls underneath. And while we're talking about all these Perisiches and all these Mirandas and all these disgruntled ex uh, employees and former employees and current employees this guy was the epitome of what a sportsman is what a leader is what a a a role model is and and you know i say every single week uh if you're watching the inter matches they they always flash the camera to this man sitting in the stands uh at the san siro and every inter player should look up and aspire to be just like him both in life on the pitch and off the pitch Guys, I'm talking about a guy who spent almost 20 consecutive seasons at Inter. He went through the worst of times in the mid-90s. He went through the best of times in the mid-2000s, all the way up to the treble in 2010. He had 19 different managers in 19 seasons. That's 19 different tactical philosophies this man had to go through, different styles of management leadership. And the one constant was Javier Zanetti was the one guy that was there throughout the duration of it. He, he, he saw um, Inter transition from a mid-table, mediocre Serie A side all the way to the best team on the planet in 2010. Um, there's just not enough. I, I, it's hard to write the article because I, I, I felt it had to be perfect and because I feel like in a way he's like inter-perfection. I, and, and for those of you who read the article, I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, I left off the article by saying, this is a little spoiler, but if you haven't read it, it, it I said, you know, every single club has their their icon, the, the person they, they, they put as like, this is us, this is who represents us. You know, for Liverpool, it's like Steven Gerrard, some might say. Some may say it's someone different. I'm just, I'm just naming a name. But for certain, for me at least, and older Inter fans may disagree and whatnot, but for me, it is Sanetti. He is, he is, he is the crest. He is the logo. He is whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, you know, he embodies everything that, that is good about this club and, and, and positive. And he, he's, he's char- a charitable man. And like I said, I didn't want the article just to be about his playing career because I feel like that's an injustice to him because he's, he's so much more than just a football player. He's just, he's a great ambassador of the sport. He's a great ambassador of the club. He's an ambassador of his country. And, 
to think about the team, like I said, the players that he's called teammate. You have to go all the way back to you know the original Ronaldo, and he played as recently as Icardi coming into the team. I mean, think about that's generations of players, and they've been able and had the honor to call Javier Zanetti, you know, teammate. And uh, he's the captain of captains, is what the article's titled. 15 of Inter's 16 trophies that they won in the time that he was at Inter were with him wearing the captain's armband. That, to me, says a hell of a lot. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys. I, like I said, I could, I could honestly <laughs> I could gush about this guy for about the next 20 minutes because I, just, I have so much unbelievable respect for him and what he means to this club and his, his country, his national team, and the charities he does back home in Argentina. So uh, uh, starting with you, uh, Nima, what, what, what are some of your, your thoughts and your memories on, on Javi Zanetti? Um, extreme professionalism, uh, correct behavior, always behaving, like always do, you know, behave the right way. Um, always fair play, always, even if you, you know, the, the only time I've ever seen him do something wrong was in uh, the UEFA Cup final 97, uh, the return leg at the San Siro when Roy Hodgson uh, substituted him off and he was disappointed and then he came off and immediately after, you know, showing that he was disappointed, he goes up to Roy Hodgson and apologizes. That's the only time I've ever seen this guy do anything wrong on a pitch. Um, and and he's immediately, he's immediately apologized. Um, the, he's he's the ro- he is the role model of how how sh- how you behave the correct way. Um, he he is the when it comes to inter captains, he is the ultimate inter captain. He is, follows the mold of Armando Picchi. He follows the mold of the Facchettis of the Bergomis. Um, he he is Mister Inter. And what's interesting is that he is he's Argentinian. He's not even Italian. Um, and uh, it's it's uh, you know he is he I mean the same way that Helenio Herrera and and Picchi and Facchetti are the symbols of the Grande Inter, uh, Zanetti and Moratti and Mourinho are are the symbols of this Inter, and Moratti being uh, sorry Zanetti being being the ultimate gentleman and you know playing until his mid to early 40s and being very close to if it hadn't been for that injury probably would have had he probably would have continued playing because there's still nothing wrong with with his uh, you know I, I saw him I saw him play into Chelsea Chelsea legends against Inter forever last May uh, him and Cambiasso could still have stayed you know have a shout to start in this midfield like this there's that good um, and he's a, he's a complete role model uh, both on and off the pitch, um, and and that to me he he he's the symbol of the of the Inter that I st- after Bergomi and, and the Moratti era. Alex, what are your what what do you have to say about Zanetti and his contributions to this club and what what he means to you personally as an Inter supporter? Well, I I, I will say the piece that uh, the Critty wrote is amazing, and I would imagine the biggest challenge was keeping it under about a hundred paragraphs. Uh, you know, with the with the Super Bowl coming up, yes. yeah. You know, with the Super Bowl coming up in American football, you can really draw the comparison that Zanetti was and still is to enter what Tom Brady is to the New England Patriots. He is synonymous with the brand. He is the first face, the first image that pops into my mind when I hear the word "enter" is that of Zanetti. I mean, certainly my wheelhouse being, you know, a child uh, of the 90s and the 80s, of course, Zanetti coming to play in the 90s uh, has been really a part of, of more than half of my life as an Inter supporter. I'm forever in debt to that. 
Uh, I love the fact that he is involved with the club to this day and his role is only growing as vice president. I think his influence and, and the work he's doing behind the scenes, it's only increasing. It's not going to decrease over time. And certainly in the stage uh, that Inter is in right now, call it a, a mini crisis, call it a crisis. They tend to go through these periods throughout the winter you wish you had. And, and I, I really don't mean this as disrespect to Icardi. This is not the angle I'm taking, but you wish you had a captain like Zanetti, because if there is anyone that could, you know, in the locker room steer, you know, teammates through a tough period mentally, steer teammates through tough times, like what Inter goes through annually in winter, Zanetti is that guy. Uh, impeccable on the field, impeccable off the field. I, I thought, Nima, you said it very well the sportsmanship and the professionalism. This is not the type of player you can look at and pick apart and say, sure, Interisti loves Zanetti, but he really wasn't a good guy. He was a dirty player. They love him. No one else does. No, I think that I think no matter what club you support, if you've been a football fan for the last, you know, 25 years, you can't not look at that man with the ultimate respect as a sportsman, as a player and as a human being and it's great to know, and I hope that generations to come, you know, will be talking about him the way that the three of us and the four of us talked about him, Armando Piki, you know, decades from now, a guy we may not have watched play, but someone who's, whose legacy stands throughout the club. Uh, you're right. This is to, to, to many folks, especially of, uh, of these generations that are currently watching football, this is the guy who represents the Inter brand. He is the ultimate Inter legend. I wanted your thoughts, both of your thoughts on this, and this is kind of I, I think is the most imp- what impresses me most about Zanetti in an age where you have people like LeBron James switching from team to team seemingly every three or four years. When you have people like Neymar that are motivated by all the money in the world, when you have, uh, uh, as I said in the article, uh, people's allegiances, players' allegiances are bought and paid for by uh, contracts that are handed out by these large clubs like Chelsea that have an endless amount of cash flow. And you know, as long as you as long as you receive your your your, your huge paycheck, uh, you'll you'll you know wear the colors proudly. But Zanetti had every uh, more than uh, enough times he had the, the 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 chance to leave, and 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 things were not right at Inter. Yet he stayed, and I think that it's there's something that's missing in every professional sport almost in the world today is that sense of loyalty and to see uh, um, quote unquote to trust the process. If you're from Philly, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, to trust the process and to let let things unfold and, and, and give it time and develop and 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 to mature and 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 have chemistry as a team as opposed to uh, you know running you know the, the first side of adversity and and Zanetti embodied the fact that he was loyal and that he he stayed in in in, a, in an era of football when things were transitioning when it was unpopular for players to stay when if you got pissed off the first time at your manager you know you requested a transfer out you know because of whatever whatever your feelings got hurt over uh, guys is is that your most are you most impressed by that in Zanetti's careers that he he stayed at, he was at Inter for almost two decades as a player. 
I think so. I think the fact that he had the chance to go to Real Madrid on numerous occasions when Inter weren't winning, the fact that he felt that he was happy, he was happy, he did, he was not, he could have made 10 times more at Real Madrid and won 10 times more, but he he chose not to because he was happy and he wanted, to, he, he felt he was at home and he wanted to be loyal um, at the people uh, where he was and to the people who had signed him because he, because he, they had shown him love and he felt, he felt he wanted to be loyal to them. That is, that is to me, that's so rare. You don't see that anymore. And especially as a foreign player, um, I mean, he is, as you said, he's the ultimate interlegend and he's the embodiment of the, of the ultimate captain. Um, yeah, Alex, I mean, you're being in Miami, you saw LeBron. I mean, it's, it's about the money, brah. It's about the money. So what do you, what do you think about Zanetti staying for two, for two decades? I mean, you know, saying no to, to bigger paychecks, saying no to a club that, yes, guaranteed more trophies, Real Madrid being the case here, but, you know, Inter's home, Milan is home. That's, that's, that's where the heart is. It's something I'm surprised more modern-day athletes don't consider, the amount of equity you can earn by being a lifer with a single club or a single franchise that, you know, I, I think that the modern day approach and you know, there's not necessarily any right or wrong way to do this. I think in the eyes of the fans, you would rather have a, a Zanetti than a LeBron James who jump jumps from club to club or, you know, a Neymar, a same sort of situation or Cristiano Ronaldo who feel that their individual brand is bigger than any of the brands of clubs that they play for. From a fan, you would obviously rather have a Zanetti type of situation. And to me, that that's that has value in itself that, you know, for the rest of Zanetti's life, that, yeah, he may be passed up a chance to earn more money in individual contracts by jumping to Real Madrid. But I think in the long run, uh, Zanetti may make up for that financially with, you know, a, a appearances as an interplayer, the salary that he makes now from Suning is a big part of the organization, that that may pay off for him both uh, internally and financially in the long run. I'm surprised it's something that players don't consider more often because, yeah, as I said, I think that a very common attitude that athletes now take is that they want to pump their individual brand to be more important than the brand for any club that they play for. With with Zanetti, that wasn't the case. I think it was always inter first, club first for him. And you can't say the fans don't appreciate it because any fan who's ever put on the the blue and black colors uh look at Zanetti as being a deity as being a god and I think that that is valuable for him now you know beyond his playing career mm. yeah couldn't I, have I said agree. it better couldn't have said it better myself um great great job guys great great job Critty. and I gotta say I agree with Alex I think that article was absolutely fantastic I can really Thank recommend you. it uh, the entire interlegend series is awesome I'm really proud of what we're doing there and um uh, we've got some pretty, we got some surprises up our sleeves regarding the interlegends, but we'll get back to that later. Um, in, in when when it's more closer to the time, uh, until that, until next, uh, I'd like to thank Mo who had to run away. Uh, and he, he was, <laughs> it, was, it was really late where he is, so we really appreciate Mo for staying along. He had to go go off. He's, it's like one a.m. where he is, so appreciate Mo for staying up. Um, uh, and also I'd like to thank you, Critty. Thank you, thank you very much, Nima. Always a pleasure to be here. And also you, Alex. Great, great to have you on. Always a great time. Thank you for having me. And as always, my name is Nima Tavaleruzzi. Wishing you all uh, a semi-final spot in the Coppa Italia. Three points. Good weekend. And sempre e solo Forza Inter.